Hey everybody, welcome to the Inciting Moment Podcast. My name's Ian. Who else here is with me? Hi, I'm Sam. Just a simple uh, Xeon follower under a, a, a man who's trying to make some weird weapon called the Asilis. I am Harrison, resident, not fan of Gundam. And the person who will be lambasted for the rest of this fucking episode. <laughs> no, 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 there will not be any lambasting or anything I know, like I know. I, know. I will I mean, say it, it'll make for a um, an interesting conversation just to kind of uh, get to the root of that. But, um, well, if it wasn't obvious enough, we are going to be talking about a wee little franchise that's been around for well over... 40 years now, uh, that being Mobile Suit Gundam. And, uh, what, what a beast to try and approach. What a series that has more forms than the Japanese final boss. Uh, yes. <laughs> I more like forms watching... than a fucking Sekiro boss. Watching mm. this show, Ian, it felt uh-huh. like getting pushed into Metal Gear. Where they're just throwing around words, and I have no clue what they mean. Uh, well, I, I I need to ask though, Harrison, uh, on the whole thing with Metal Gear. I don't know how uh, experienced you are with that particular franchise, but if you are, which Metal Gear are we talking? Are we talking where you're just thrust into the first Metal Gear Solid, or are we talking you're thrust into four? Okay, okay. Let me explain something real quick, right? Okay. Do you remember Phantom Pain? Yes, I do. So, there was a time that my ex, having never played Metal Gear, bought Phantom Pain. Oh, And it's the, the sitting history. there trying to explain what's going on to them as they're playing the game. Oh, Good no. God. Good luck with that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't know what's worse, jumping into that completely blind or jumping into four. I would think four. I mean, okay, it, it's simple. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the terms. So you got Zaku, right? Basic man. Turns uh-huh. into a goof. And then turns into a Gelgu. It's just how Xeon works. <laughs> yeah. It's just how I, Mafia I works. I just want to point out that uh, I may have a slight rant about the naming convention of Xeon mobile suits. But first, uh, why don't we uh, start small and sort of build up to when we actually talk about the show in question. Uh, that being uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 8th MS Team. And also explain why that one in particular is uh, is the one that we decided to go with. Um, so first off, I, I guess uh, talking about how was it that uh, we knew of Gundam going into things, like where it all started, and for people like Sam and I, what was the bug that bit us that finally uh, brought us into that franchise and stuff like that? And I think, given <laughs> given how he was kind of telling us what his feelings were initially, Harrison, I, I do have to ask, how yeah. was it that you were sort of at least slightly brought up on Gundam or knew of it or what your overall experience with it was? Well, let's put it very bluntly. I was locked into my house and I could uh-huh. not leave. And my friend shows up and he's like, here, I got you this. And it's got two you, Gundam kits with a box of Oreos. Yeah, no, they usually go hand in hand. <laughs> Oreos, Gundam kits. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> once you pop one, you just can't stop. 
Exactly. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's so relatable. I have so many kits. Literally. Had, sitting to I the had, right of uh, me right now. I had three, Ian. And uh -huh. I lost them. Oh. I built... They were, they were only like... What are they? 30-minute mission ones? So not, not like a massive loss of valuable things. Just like... A loss of three robotic men when I moved my stuff from one room to another. Ah. Uh, do you remember uh, what mobile suits they were? I think uh, he'd always call it a gym striker. G oh, okay, okay. The the GM one. Yeah, that's that's one of the Federation's like main mobile suits. It's it's like a grunt unit. Yeah, that's stuff the one. Like that. Okay. He did not set the standards high for you. <laughs> and there was the one that's like the white, red, and blue as well, with the laser oh, sword. Shit, that's half of them. Uh, yeah, I'm, oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. That that does not narrow down which Gundam that is at all. <laughs> that's the problem uh, I have. If if I will say one thing, uh, uh, the Gundam franchise does not do a good job of breaking the mold of mainly white Gundam with red and blue. Uh, some of my favorite ones are the ones that have differing uh, color palettes that are a bit more um, unique in that regard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kits, interesting. So that was kind of what brought you up on that. And, uh, you were saying in a previous conversation that you were, uh, on two other occasions, uh, forced to watch other Gundam shows. Yeah. Uh, which yes, ones were those? Just to kind of give people an idea. That was, uh, G Gundam, which okay. is the magical adventure of a man committing felonies to coax people into fighting him. <laughs> yeah, and, it's as you do. <laughs> mm hmm. And. Mm -hmm. Iron-Blooded Orphans, which is mm -hmm. children committing war crimes, while one of them just stands there looking all smug and superior. Okay, trust me, that's the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's going to be war crimes uh, one, and children. One thing I will say, one. however, is that Iron-Blooded Orphans in particular is uh, where it sort of differs from the other shows is that it's more of a space Yakuza show than it is entirely about war. And, um, well, the the kids are the Yakuza. <laughs> or at least one faction of Yakuza and whatnot. But, I, I mean, you know, semantics, stuff like that. Okay, so you watched those, and yeah. if I'm not mistaken, you said you did not like either of them. I did not like either of them. Okay. Now, why was that? Because I am curious. Okay, okay. Well, I can explain this very, very simply, right? Ian... Do you know about Power Rangers? I do. Do you know about Kamen Rider? Yes, vaguely. And that whole, like, Sentai, Super Sentai stuff? Yes. I don't like Sentai. Okay. And Gundam just hits the same notes that Sentai hits in my mind. So I just don't like it. Interesting. Like... You have the pseudo-samurai robot-slash-suit men fighting with over-the-top explosions and flashy transformations, and it just does not do anything for me. Okay. Gotcha. And I mean, uh, I, I can understand that 
Especially with G Gundam, because uh, that is basically... The most Sentai it gets. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans, that one is a little closer to uh, what Gundam is usually about. What What was your problem with that one? I can't stand the protagonist. Oh. I cannot stand him. Oh. At all. Yeah, he, he can be a bit much. He's, um, he's a very tropian, uh, not antagonist, protagonist. Although sometimes he has antagonistic mm-hmm. factors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's an antagonist mm-hmm. in my heart. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds about right. Antagonist to the fun of the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, uh, the... Um, cliche, uh, emotionless, uh, warrior that just goes like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go kill people. I could see how, uh, that kind of character isn't very appealing. Um, yeah. I didn't think much of him when I watched the show, but, uh, eh. You know? It's like, uh, okay, I thought of the way to put it. I thought of the way to put it that will make it make sense to any sort uh-huh. of anime nerds listening in. It's like, original launch Naruto had Sasuke. Everyone loved Sasuke. Right. And then, like, Shippuden comes out, Sasuke gets super edgy and runs away, whole spare your life at a whim. And they uh, replace yes. him with the tank top guy, who is a one-for-one one of the Gundam protagonist. <laughs> exact, exact same acting. Oh and my. I, I despise him. No, it sound, sounds about right. Okay. Well, <laughs> nice to know where your thoughts were at. Um, Sammy Boy, I, I know some of your experiences with Gundam is kind of tied to me, because I was sort of the one that was like saying, yeah, you know, Sam, one of these days you should really give it a try and, and you know, actually watch it. And for a while, it, it, it took a little bit of convincing, but you eventually got into it. But uh, in your own words, how would you describe it? So, I mean, it really, the first experience I actively remember of any Gundam property is Gundam Seed, surprisingly. Mm. So, I mean, it was, I mean, I was young, it was on Tsunami, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. (laughs) But, I mean, for a long time, I had this very negative stigma towards uh, Gundam, and that being it's like some generic mecha anime, I was never really into that. I never really liked mechas, I never really liked that whole thing. Seed will definitely lead you on to that thought. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I mean... I never thought they were like uncool or whatnot. Just I don't know, never really my thing until you you encouraged me to watch the original Gundam, and that's really mm-hmm. really sparked because I I really like the original Gundam. It I was going into it thinking it would be some generic anime, and don't get me wrong, it has its tropes, mm-hmm. but there's a reason that the original Gundam started the whole damn thing. It was it was good. Yeah, don't get me wrong, there's giant mechs and they bash the fuck out of each other, but what the original Gundam really did and what makes it really different from a lot of the other Gundams that come out later is it's very grounded, surprisingly so. Yes, mm-hmm. there's going to be intense like sci-fi aspects, like the Gartovsky particles or whatnot, but you have to have that when giant mechs are punching each other in the face in space. But what it, it succeeded in not only doing that, but it succeeded in being in a re- relatively good war drama. And that's really what Gundam, I feel, is about. But, oh, of course, that, that, that changes as the iterations go on to the point where they're Super Sentais fighting each other with uh, superpowers. Yeah. 
And it is but, interesting because uh, the original Gundam was such a game changer back in the day when it came out because previously most mecha anime that was being released was actually the exact kind of mecha anime that I could see Harrison despising. That being, um, the, the specific term is super robot anime, where it is very Power Rangers-esque and uh, often had very Sentai-related um, elements to it. <laughs> so uh, Gundam came along and said, well, how about instead of robots that are powered by mystical moon rune energy, uh, people in a lab made it? And how about instead of a Monster of the Week format that uh, all these other shows are doing, which are very repetitive... How about instead it's about um, children being forced into uh, war situations that, frankly, uh, they have every reason not to be in, but because of these circumstances, they have no choice and kind of have to cope with that. Mm-hmm. So, you I mean, know? after after I started watching the original Gundam, it was kind of downhill. Cause, you know, we watched OHMS Team, and then right after that, uh, War in the Pocket. And it's something, I mean, obviously, uh, for people who don't know, the, the different series of Gundam are caught up into different like how would you describe it again like uh I would say alternate universes in some oh, yeah, al- alternate universes is a good aspect the original and my favorite is the universal Gundam which is the most down to ground you know just right universal most relatable most century. human one and the universal centuries the OG everything after that I'll be honest can just suck a big fat cock <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, I, I, I mean, but of course that is heavily biased <laughs> right right i i mean only the, partially objectively true but the, the thing about universal century if i can kind of segue into my own thoughts on the uh, franchise and my experience with it is that uh when i um transitioned into watching a lot of the universal century shows oddly enough much like you sam after watching seed sadly um <laughs> Uh, I, I, I just came to realize that Universal Century, if I had to put a word to it, it's much more consistent, if that makes any sense, in terms of uh, the the quality of shows. I know not all of them are as equally good. There are some that, uh, you know, misstep here and there. I, I think the one that, at least with how it ended, uh, disappointed me was Stardust Memory, which we'll get into later on when we talk about other shows that we recommend people mm. give a look at. It can't all be good. <laughs> right. And, uh, I, I mean, one of the last ones to be in Universal Century was Victory Gundam, and that one wasn't good at all. <laughs> uh, there were g- cool aspects, but I mean, no. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I, I would have to say I thank Seed for getting me into the uh, franchise, um, but after Seed, when I saw what the rest of the franchise had to offer, uh, it very much made me realize, wow, th- this is way much more than I originally thought it was. Because I also thought that, okay, well, I mean, it's a it's a series about giant robots fighting each other, and people don't like each other. That sounds about like what people make it out to be but it is a lot more than that you know uh and if we could transition to our next little talking point uh it really is just about what the series embodies and uh to me 
if I had to boil it down, what I think it embodies, it, it, it embodies how war and conflict, uh, no matter what century you may be in, what alternate universe things might be taking place in, uh, war is the same. Not everyone is all good and not everyone is all evil. They are people. They are humans. And uh, regardless of whether or not they are seen as good or evil, they are fighting for what they believe in and what they stand for. And uh, I think, especially with 8th MS team, uh, it, it, it does a good job of reminding people of that. I mean, would you yeah. pretty much agree with that, Sam? That sort of assessment? Mm -hmm. I think it, it, it does that, but adds a couple more layers compared to the uh, other series that I really like. And it kind of makes it stand out a little bit. We'll go into further discussion when we actually fully talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the most impressive things about the franchise is how um, it takes the whole central idea of war and conflict, yet in each episode it has a different scenario or different concept that uh, studies how war and conflict affects people and more importantly specific people in specific kinds of situations like in war in the pocket it has to deal with a bunch of zeon soldiers trying to infiltrate a neutral colony and uh take out the federation um you know core that's in there uh because they're like oh yeah they're they're deceiving us by being in a neutral colony and therefore this colony should go down with it and then, yeah, then you also get uh, shows like the one that uh, we decided, amongst all others, that we think uh, most succinctly embodies what Gundam stands for, that choice being uh, the 8th MS team. Uh, and mainly because it's so bite-sized, really. I, I think that's the main reason why we went down to it. Uh, we do have honorable mentions, or rather a, a major, major honorable mention that uh, we'll talk about after we discuss the show. We just decided to go with this one because the show that we'll talk about later on sadly is not complete. And because of that, we decided to go with one that is because that way then it could be used as a much better uh, jumping on point for anyone interested. So... Yeah, here we go, 8th MS Team. One of the shows released in uh, Universal Century. Uh, this came out in 1996. 1996. What it essentially follows, right, is uh, it's about the exploits of uh, this Earth Federation team, that being the 8th MS Team, uh, during um, Universal Century's most significant time period, uh, that being the one-year war between the Earth Federation and the Principality of Xeon. Uh, and to give a little bit of background behind this, uh, Principality of Xeon embodies the subsect of humans that have gone to space uh, because a big concept that is always implemented in most Gundam shows is the idea of there being artificial space colonies out in, well, space. At least I would hope so. <laughs> um, 
And the whole thing is that uh, Principality and Xeon are trying to fight for their independence because, hey, we're all the way out in space. We don't see any reason why we have to abide by the Earth Federation's rules because we ain't on Earth. And so the whole conflict is, is based around um, the Earth Federation uh, standing for unity despite uh, <laughs> humanity not entirely being unified given their great distance. And uh, the Principality of Xeon fighting for complete independence and uh, segregation from the Earth Federation and whatnot. And a big thing in the 8th MS team is that it is entirely built around a very Vietnam-esque guerrilla war sort of scenario. Uh, this is one of the few uh, Gundam shows that actually completely takes place uh, in a in-atmosphere um situation uh there is only one time where they are ever in space in this show and that's in the first episode after that that's it just episode one only space fight the only space fight and the only time that uh the usual kind of um gundam combat actually takes place because well i'll get into those details later on i think uh I'm going to get into the too much of the nitty-gritty right off the bat, and uh, I don't want to do that just yet. Um, so, with this show in particular, uh, following the exploits of the 8th MS team, a team of Earth Federation mobile suit pilots, uh, led by uh, Ensign Shiro Amada, uh, a, a rather young lad for being a commander of the team, um... Yeah, what 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 did we think of Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team? Okay. I mean, I'm just going to get out of the way, obviously. I mean, I may have just stated that I basically loved everything, for the most part, Universal Century. So, look, it's just, it's it's Universal Century, baby. It's, it's Universal Century does Apocalypse Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It has its moments of getting pretty close to that. Thankfully, though, tonality, it, it, it's not quite that dark. Um, but, I mean, it, it gets close to it. <laughs> so, general, thought, uh, general thoughts is a perfect hell no. I'll get rid of the negatives out of the way. It gets extremely corny at parts. Some of the characters are a little bit excessive. Little bit, yeah. Uh, especially with the main villain, the scientist for the Xeon side. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the characters could be grading at first, but it makes sense for the situation. You know, and right. Oh, yeah. These are these negatives, but otherwise, it's fucking awesome. Just like, just like the uh, theme song for it with the little guitar solo. But mm -hmm. look, it's it's the harshest part of Gundam encapsulized. You know, this is a brutal war between two factions on someone's home planet, and it's just it's just good. It's it's brutal. It's action packed. The action's good, and the characters are. Good. I mean, the characters have solid development, and they, they, they make sense for the world they're in, you know? they, they I, I love how mm -hmm. imperfect all of them are. These guys who have, most of them, besides the main character, have been through this war for so long that they developed their own little ways of coping with it, and you get to see it throughout the show. And for just being eight episodes, it does a lot with what it has. And, yeah, I mean, it... it just, it, before going to specifically, I liked it. I, I, I really, really fucking dug it. I loved it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you, Harrison? What do you think? Give us your hashtag hot takes. 
Well, really with Mobile Suit and this specific show, um, falls into one little thing for me that I never understand. Mm -hmm. And it's a moderate tangent and rant about the design of the Gundams themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, tread lightly. (laughs) You're fighting in a jungle. It is basically Vietnam. Uh Mm -hmm. And only the enemies are painted green. Yeah, you want to know why? Because we have fucking pride, baby. Federation all the way. Oh, Red, white, hell blue. yeah. You can't drop those... Well, I, I would say red, white, and blue colors, but the white is more of a off-gray, but semantics. It, it's like tough jungle warfare, and then just giant red, white, and blue mechs sprinting through like, yeah, baby! As it just granted, granted, the coloring is a little muted, so it's not like neon, like the original Gundam. I will point that out. Hey, isn't this like, isn't this why we lost Vietnam? Is because all the guys were painted in American flags? <laughs> <laughs> this is historically accurate. <laughs> yeah, let's be uh, real. Kind of historically accurate. Uh, um, no, I see what you mean. And quick counterpoint. Hey, you know what, man? Zaku's, they're green because they're standardized. They're uniform mech thing. That's their thing. The reason why the Gundam stand out so much because the Gundam is a representation of the Federation. Yeah. It is their super weapon. Ha. Huh. Like, I'm throwing Do I know? I know why the Gundam looks the way it does. Mm-hmm. They got to sell toys, damn it. <laughs> yes. That, I was about to say that. that. They need to sell model kits. <laughs> yes. But also with the general helmet design and armor design, mm-hmm. it's a samurai armor. The, yeah. the helmet's a Kabuto well, helmet. Yeah. You even have yeah. the water buffalo horns. Mm-hmm. Though I, I do agree with you. I would love to see them with their camel. That'd be dope as shit. But yeah, no, <laughs> there like, have been a few times where uh, the Federation has like camouflaged their mobile suits, but for whatever reason, uh, the Gundams seem to be completely exempt from that. The only thing that we really get close to that, at least from my knowledge, because there could be some, like, really obscure one from, like, the side manga series or whatever that I just didn't read. But there is one Gundam in Seed that can turn invisible because it has active camouflage. That's, like, yeah. the closest. Like, I know the other reason why is just from an animation standpoint, it's for readability of conflict mm-hmm. for the audience. And that is that makes perfect sense. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. But logistically... <laughs> Logistically, uh, yeah. <laughs> like if the red and blue wasn't there and they were just more of a beauty gray tones, it makes sense. You can mm-hmm. still do that and still have them no, be visually that. different and still Any have other... them blend in. What are your other thoughts? Um, honest opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The very beginning of the show had me dying with the dude writing the letter and the fact that his girlfriend's name is just BB. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that's uh, that's his thing. He's constantly writing his girlfriend and and whatnot. Which uh, we'll we'll cover each character's little quirks as we go along. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Harrison, let me ask you. Let's let, yes. let let's get your opinion on the overall story at hand because obviously that's a pretty important one. Yeah. What did you think of the story overall? Because part of the reason we went with this show is because it has a interesting concept and it does explore it in terms of uh the implications of it and whatnot so what what did you think of that honest opinion Mm. 
it reminded me of a Star Wars plot. Oh, really? Uh, from one of the books, or which which one? No, 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 because it's like, the very beginning, you have two people from both sides meet each other, and then it's like, they then depart ways, he's holding on to the like, trinket, and they find each other then in the heat of battle, and it's like, I feel like I'm watching Star Wars. Really? Yeah. Like, the whole thing that they had going for uh, episode 7, but then scrapped in episode 8 and 9. Mm-hmm. Where it was the whole people can oh, change. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean now. It, it took me a second because I was trying to understand, like, oh, it's Star Wars? Really? I mean, like... But then, uh, Finn. No, I, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Especially with, like, Finn and Poe's um, yep. relationship. Okay, I see what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get you, by the way, just saying, uh, hashtag, I ship that all the way. But, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean. Uh, well, how about the rest of the story? Uh, what did you think of it? And if anything, what about the characters? Like, the overall cast on both sides of the conflict? Because it, it does have that dual, um, yeah, protagonist-antagonist like sort of... Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, the problem for me with Gundam is I run into the same issue every single time, where uh-huh. all of it bleeds together in my mind into just a singular show. Uh-huh. Because I can't tell the protagonists apart. No. You know, a lot of the, well, I mean, shit, I, 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 mean, I, could, I can't really blame him for that, because if you look physically at the characters between this uh oh Themis team and coup from uh stardust memory they are very similar uh, yeah granted ko kind of looks like somebody out of akira but i <laughs> yeah i mean i guess uh, i think that might just be a point though in a way oh especially the later on universal centuries because it's trying to because you know in the first series you had ray and he's like the mc He's a guy who yep. pilots the motherfucking gun. <laughs> He's got <laughs> orange hair. He looks different from everyone. My guess is what they try to do with the later antagonists is try to make him more, not necessarily more of an everyman, but more of a more of a universal package in terms of how they looked. Like, this is yeah. just another guy in the war, except he's driving Gundam. But I do see what you mean, because there's a lot of the... Even Gundam has its tropes, and one of the tropes is the MC going through, like, multiple phases of, like, oh, shit, war sucks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So I can see what you're saying, guaranteed. I mean, it's it's not like we're gonna get the Gundam fucking uh, the G Gundam guy going down to Vietnam and catching bullets and punching. People. Oh yeah, and then chucking them <laughs> yeah, back no. and doing like a kamehameha and then blowing like, them all up. <laughs> like I can recognize G Gundam immediately, but everything <laughs> yeah. else merges into one. Yeah, I, I I can see what you're saying, but I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean. In a w- weird thematic way from a theme standpoint it makes perfect sense that it does from from a viewing I just standpoint wish though. that it was a little bit easier for me to tell the mobile suits apart because like i don't think i'd have this issue if the protagonist's mobile suits were a bit more different i get you like if for example you know uh shiro's mech was camouflage yeah. with the mm-hmm. like woodland camo it, it would be like oh hey that is definitely shiro's because it looks I like a see it, i go this is the one for this show mm-hmm. right and i mean granted shiro does get a different mobile suit in the later episodes which i think is called the easy eight which uh 
isn't like even technically a Gundam. <laughs> At least not visually. So, I, I mean, the fact that he rocks that the rest of the show and kicks some major ass, uh, kind of impressive. Um, well, with general thoughts out of the way, and since we're feeling the need to go into more nitty-gritty, why don't we talk about the big thing that I think, in my opinion, this show does really well, and that is uh, developing the cast of characters. Because this is a large cast, you know? This this show, even though it is based in a uh, only a small region of the planet Earth, that being not Vietnam... <laughs> Um, it feels large because of how many different people are actually, like, consistently involved in this. Um, and I guess if I had to ask you guys, when it comes to your specific thoughts on specific characters, why don't we talk about the two main ones? What were your thoughts on the whole dynamic with, uh, Shiro and, uh, our lead Zeon character, uh, Aina? Okay. Uh, corny as fuck. A <laughs> uh, little bit. Yeah. But... A little bit. <laughs> I mean, a bit rushed, but obviously it was a, it was a fucking eight... Uh, no, not, not, that, not that few. What, 12 episodes? episodes that yeah, 12. 12 yeah. episodes long. Like, it's, you can't really do too much and they separate it. It's 12 and one is a two-parter. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the thing is, it is corny. But I, I dig it because I, I, what I believe they wanted to represent with it. And the yeah. thing is, it's it's this idea of the two sides coming literally together to make oh, something yeah. better. You know, and that, that's I think really what they were trying to go for. It is it rushed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, this is it, it, they're star- literally quite literally star-crossed lovers. You know, Wait, I mean, it they, gets they, even they, better. Mm-hmm. It's even better. Is it rushed? Yes. Is there a thrown-in love triangle? Yes. <laughs> really. Uh- Wait, really? Uh, the gorilla resistance leader. Oh, is like, okay, oh, okay. Oh, that's right. We'll get okay, into that. I, but I, I, I forgot. Okay, quick you tangent. Know, I'm sorry, Ian. I gotta interrupt. I gotta interrupt. I'm sorry, but you, you said love triangle, and my monkey brain went straight to my the worst Gundam series, Stardust Memories. So I'm thinking of that hardcore, awful example. And this is, <laughs> this one's way better. So sorry, uh, I this had one's it. I had better, to say it. but not by much, in my opinion. Uh, oh, it's so the way thing fucking is, better. Is, uh, we'll, <laughs> I will we'll get into her shtick in a bit, but um, just saying right now that that love triangle, I completely th- I forgot it was a love triangle because the third party, uh, Kiki, the daughter of a anti Zeon guerrilla resistance leader, um. That whole thing, I, I forgot was even a thing because of how underdeveloped it was. Like, it, yeah. it wasn't even present. <laughs> but we'll get into that as we move along. Um, so to give some context to people listening, the whole thing with Shiro and Aina is that within the first episode of the show, there is a space battle that breaks out um, between Aina and one of the other side characters, uh, Terry, Terry Sanders. And what happens is uh, Shiro and Aina, they get into a bit of a battle in space, and they both have to uh, jettison their uh, their suits and stuff like that. Or in the case of Aina, singular suit. Shiro isn't even in a mobile suit. He's in this little fucking abomination of a mobile armor or mobile pod. It's a TIE fighter out the wings. <laughs> Take a second, everyone listening, to Google search Gundam 
ball and just look ball. at that little piece of crap. The fact that he was able to get as far with that thing as possible in that little bout amazes me. But, mm -hmm. of course, side tangent. It's literally known as the RB79 ball. Exactly. So what happens is Shiro and Aina, uh, they actually end up helping each other because Aina's injured. Shiro doesn't feel that he should just completely disregard her condition and helps her, which of course surprises Aina because, oh, well, we're on two different sides. And this is sort of the catalyst for one of the main uh, story thematic elements. Uh, that being that uh, Shiro and Aina come to realize, well, they're both people, and while they're on two different sides of the conflict, they come to realize that uh, if they can settle their differences and actually see each other for who they are, who's to say that the Earth Federation as a whole and Zeon can't do that and potentially completely subside the whole conflict to where they don't have to keep fighting? Yeah, so to finish my thoughts on that, I think how it works and the reason it works despite it being rushed is what really connects them to this to this point of love is this idea they both have, this ideal they both have that they just don't they want this war, they just want peace. That's all mm -hmm. they really want. And that's really what connects them and turns this thing turns into this loving relationship. Uh that is, you could see as a representation representation of a possibility that both sides after the war, if peace is a possibility, that they could love each other again. It, maybe oh, not, you know, as lovers, but, you know, the, the two societies, despite the differences, could love despite the war. And that I think really that's what they represent. And despite this being a very dark series, and, you know, the specific one, it's a surprisingly positive and wholesome <clears throat> message. Because in the end, they work together to take out the real threat, which is uh, her brother, Ayanna's brother, who really represents... I can't remember if it's said in this series or a previous one in which when the as the war goes on, it creates these people who are excessive about it, who are go Absolutely. beyond the whole the whole lines of Zeon and Federation. Like, no, this is the ending. We have to fucking erase them. This isn't a war anymore. This is this is going to be a massacre. This is genocide. This, it's beyond yeah, that. It's yeah. personal. Um, and that's what he, he really represents. And that's what that is really what they're fighting. All of them. Oh, are absolutely. These people who are so against it. Who are and I so, think. Assessing. It's interesting that you bring up uh, Ina's brother, because I think this is a perfect time to segue into looking at the supporting cast. Some of which have the best development, in my opinion. And if we were to start anywhere, uh, Ina's brother, Genius, which, by the way, already a very egotistical name, because it is just a few letters short <laughs> of sounding like Genius. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, no, no. Going off of what you were saying, Sam, Genius is the perfect embodiment of the thing that uh, both Shiro and Aina come to realize. Neither side is truly evil in their efforts to fight for what they are, you know, struggling for. It is the fact that the war breeds specific individuals that are so excessive, so uh, callous with how they go about fighting for their respective side, that sometimes their own respective side is questioning, bro, are you, like, okay? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we're okay with that, with, with uh, these literal war crimes you're committing. <laughs> mm -hmm. But w what are your thoughts on the specific, like, themes and characters, uh, Harrison? Well, I will say some character development, 
pretty solid. There is a character in the show that has my favorite character archetype and trope, and that is the Shinigami Sanders himself. <laughs> because, yeah. honestly, my favorite trope in any sort of war media is the sole survivor. Uh huh. Because there's just so much that can be done with it. It's an easy character concept to do well, and it's not hard to mess up. No, that's true. And I mean, his whole shtick is that he is a sole survivor of multiple teams that he's been on, but that's looked at negatively because he has this nickname known as the Grim Reaper, uh, mm-hmm. or Sanders the Reaper, as they sometimes mm-hmm. refer to him as, uh, because uh, people believe that he is a cursed soldier in that whatever team he becomes involved in, everyone on that team except him dies. Which yep. uh, is explored rather well and really um, enforces uh, later on how uh, Sanders needs to put a little more faith not only in himself as well as his team, you know? Yeah. You know, he he, he has to put that idea of a curse behind him. And, let me, uh, let me write right. him down real quick as my uh, next D&D character. <laughs> yeah, right? It is a really nice there concept and something you don't see a lot in Gundam or other series is this guy who's constantly haunted by the deaths of his... I mean, I guess you do see it quite often, but I, I do like the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's he's... like... Mm-hmm. I guess everyone acknowledges that it happens. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. But the best oh, part about it is that he's a bitch about it. In some yep. cases, like, oh, you guys are going to die all... Anyway, it's, is, it stu- is it irrational? Yeah, but humans are irrational. And I could see why you would say that. I could see myself saying that. I would be the same way. If I was in the middle of war where all my fucking friends kept dying, I, I would probably break at some point and say, guys, what's the fucking point? You're all just going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so brutal. It's so real. I just love it. And the fact that he exactly. gets over it is such a mighty feeling because they really push on it. Like everyone else. Yeah, because other characters that are haunted by their previous mistakes, uh, when you see them in the story, uh, some of them, from my own recollection, there could be some others that uh, aren't like this. Um, they seem to have already gotten over that, and they've become better people as a result at the time that you meet them. And him, he's like right in the middle of trying to uh, deal with that. And uh, it, it is satisfying to see him finally break out of that and, you know, no longer believe that he he's a cursed individual and that he just brings um, death to his team members and stuff like that. Um, honestly, I, I mean, each character seems to have at least something to them that they, uh, they, they, they sort of learn to get over. I, I mean, um, one of the funnier ones, but also sort, sort of like the more sad ones is, uh, Elidor. Uh, Elidor, he, he's the, um, he's the, uh, driver of their, like, hover truck thing, tank, whatever. Yeah. Um, and his whole thing is that he wanted to be a music artist, and he was about to get his music career getting off the ground until he was brought into the war. And uh, he sort of breaks down one episode because he's been captured along with uh, one of his uh, other comrades. And he's just breaking down, and it's just like, man, it's not fair! I-, I had a whole future, I had everything, and I mean thinking back to some stories that some of my uh, older relatives sort of talked about they they shared their their 
sort of inner experiences of how they had some stuff set up, and because of the fact that they were drafted into larger conflicts, uh, they felt it was unfair, you know, everything that they had planned, they had to put on hold, or it wasn't going to happen, because, you know, they were brought into war. Thankfully, they survived, and they eventually did something with that. With the situation that uh, Elidor was put in, you have no clue. Because the thing is with this show is that I felt anyway any one of these characters could have died. You yeah. know? I, I never felt like they were invincible. And if I had to compare it directly to another show where I did think characters were invincible, that being Seed, um, never once had that thought in this show, which is always mm -hmm. important. Yeah, no, it really is. Because you can't really establish the whole war is hell message if you don't put any sort of risk on your characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And if I had to talk about at least one more supporting character, I, I have to give a shout-out to, uh... <laughs> to, to, uh, to the ace pilot of Xeon, uh, Norris. Dear lord, Norris is a G in this show. Well, the weirdest thing for Norris is he starts off as such a dick. Oh, he is a, a, a dick. He is such a dick, but it, it, it comes more from entitlement because he's such an ace pilot and he proves his mm -hmm. skill constantly. And you see him do that. Uh, his big showdown with Shiro in one of the later episodes really showcases that. If I had to just mm -hmm. say right now... Amongst all the different shows I've seen of Gundam, uh, that particular battle in that, that small city uh, with him in his custom-made uh, goof. <laughs> yes. um, That's how you know it's serious, when the enemy's oh, name is yes. goof. Oh, when, yes, when, when, when it's a goof. And I did look this up, fellas. A, uh, a, a squad of goofs is referred to as a troop. Yes, which means troop. It is... Indeed, a goof troop, because God they always stick together. This thing. I, I'm uh, looking this up. Is it? I, it is. <laughs> we have goof. to confirm it. The <laughs> sources we made. It You're the probably going to see a couple uh, meme videos where they just <laughs> remix certain scenes yeah. with the goof troop theme. But uh, it's goof with G O U F. Yes. You know, one and of my a group of goofs is a goof troop. I I I can confirm this. I think, I think I found the video, too. Yes. <laughs> it's so, my favorite video. It's great. The biggest surprise for me was uh, a Xeon admiral or general by the name of uh, Yuri Killarney, who mm -hmm. starts off as kind of like almost like a, uh, a hot-headed, almost kind of like a dick, because, you know, he, he kind of get, goes a little heavy onto Aina. And it just seems kind of like a, just kind of like a jerk, uh, you know, this alpha chat, whatever. But it turns out he really is an honorable soldier who wants to see his soldiers get home. So when he dies later to the main to the main bad guy, you actually you feel something for him, and that really just of course goes back to the theme that all these guys are human, even who you consider the quote unquote the bad guys. They they mm -hmm. have aspects to them that make them good people, just in a bad situation. Oh, absolutely, and it just further reinforces how much of an asshole genius is. Because it, it, it just furthers his descent into being one of those extreme individuals in war 
that mm -hmm. the war itself, the different factions involved, they're not the problems. It's the individuals who entice uh, the escalation of conflict uh, directly that can make the war as bad as it is. I mean, mm -hmm. case in point, uh, they were about to come to terms and not fight anymore, but Genius, of course, had to fire uh, the main weapon of one of the dumbest-looking vehicles I've Don't seen Don't talk shit in a about while. my thick boy. The Absolus. <laughs> More like the absolute unit. <laughs> what I find hilarious is that certain vehicles like the Absolus, they're these giant, like, vehicles, right? But because Xeon has such a hard-on for the design of the Zaku, they literally put a Zaku head on the Absolus, and I have to wonder, why not just have a normal cockpit? We can't. It needs the little head. <laughs> of course. Oh, look, it's a Bakugan with a fucking face, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty it much. Is. It <laughs> is. Ah, uh, well, um, there was a few things I wanted to cover outside of the story and more on, like, the technical aspects of the show. Uh, first off, the animation. Fantastic. Still yeah. in the heyday of good old traditional hand-drawn cell animation. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially when you watch it on Blu-ray, just the texture in it all is fantastic. Um, and it's actually in the animation that uh, I found something that's sort of unique to this show... Um, they really played up how heavy mobile suits can be when they're in atmosphere and stuff like that, and it actually brings about some of the more unique action sequences that you don't usually see in other shows. Yeah. I mean, the weight of mobile suits themselves is one of the things I dislike in other shows that are mobile suit, just because they almost seem weightless. Which, granted, I mean, the, the whole justification is that mobile suit engineering is so advanced that they have such agility and stuff like that that they're able to do, like, cartwheels, front flips, somersaults, whatever, as if uh, they're an extension of the pilot's body and stuff like that. But what yeah. I do think is really unique, especially in combat scenes, is because of how weighty everything feels the impacts of when these uh, mobile suits, like, smack one another and, like, try to slash at each other, oh, you just see it and you feel it, you know? It makes for some of the more brutal uh, exchanges that you usually see in Gundam. Once again, just sort of makes this show feel even more of its own sort of style. But I don't think it's alienating to people who have seen the other shows. Uh, I think one of the other shows that came out around the same time as this was uh, Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Stardust Memory. That one has your more typical Gundam action where they are a little more uh, light and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's still pretty good. It still has good action, very intense at times and stuff like that. Um, but this one just feels even more in certain areas because of just how heavy everything feels, um, and whatnot. So, I, I mean, for people who don't like the idea of, uh, giant robots having the agility of a, uh, freaking Olympian, uh, pole vault, mm -hmm. you know, person, 
Um, <laughs> this might be more up your alley. <laughs> I would say so. Well, hey, I have to ask, what's your opinion on the soundtrack of the uh, the show? Because I was, of course, much like any other Gundam show, bopping to the intro just about every mm -hmm. single time. I mean, unfortunately, they couldn't afford Fortunate Son, but, you know, it's the next best thing they could offer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, I understand why they couldn't afford Fortunate Son, because there wasn't enough red, white, and blue on the Gundam. They had more red, white, and blue. They tried. They tried their best. Oh, they did. They did. They most certainly did. I also did like how, um, to really play up the extra level of Vietnam-esque conflict, they had the whole anti-Zeon guerrilla fighters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And yep. very similar to Vietnam, uh, <laughs> you couldn't tell if they were friends or not. <laughs> no, that's oh, true. Lord. They were assholes at times, and that's also where um, we're introduced to one of the other supporting characters. One that, frankly, I'm going to be honest, I'm sure she was meant to have some kind of place in the story. I, I did not like uh, the daughter of the Resistance leader, that being uh, Kiki, because uh, she didn't have a delivery service. You know? I mean, Ian, just like Vietnam, there was a love triangle. Really? Uh, I'm pretty certain, right? Isn't that why we stopped going to war there? Uh, the power of the love triangle. Sure. <laughs> of course. That, that's why we stopped. Please, American soldier coon, come back. We love you. <laughs> oh. I, that's well, a, I that's a, that, I feel, that's, I feel that's dirty a different kind that. of war. Um, <laughs> Loves war, Ian. No, I, I I really didn't care for Kiki because, uh, A, uh, she was more infuriating than anything else. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, you you say, Harrison, that there was a love triangle, but, like, I, I just sort she of She didn't think... stand a chance. <laughs> no, she did not. First off, no, she I was, know. like, a good couple years younger than uh, Shiro, so I don't know how she would have thought she had a chance. But, like, <laughs> wishful thinking is what I would uh, consider her approach to the whole uh, uh, relationship. Because, quite frankly, I was even saying I forgot that that was a thing. And that's because that whole side of that whole quote-unquote love triangle, it was so underdeveloped. Yeah, like, uh, not all love triangles, Ian, are equilateral. Some are... Very, some almost look like a spike due to how small one of the lines is. Yeah, Macross, this is not. <laughs> mm hmm. Uh, no. Now, maybe, maybe that was done intentionally because they were trying to sort of play up how, um, I guess, hopeless the odds of Kiki actually being in a relationship with someone like Shiro was, especially with where she comes from as a guerrilla fighter and stuff like that. But mm, that's one of the things that I, I think I will knock because I, I don't know what to make of it. And I have seen this show multiple times. Um, this is the one that I've watched the most out of any of the other series that I've seen from Gundam because it is that good. I would have to say that purely just from getting a good dose of Gundam, this is, this is my favorite one. I mean, 
honestly, I do think the Guerrilla Fighters do add an interesting aspect in like this third party group in which they're not really on either side. It's just that this part of the earth is their home. So this mm-hmm. fighting is just a negative thing for them because they're not fighting for the Federation. They're not fighting for Zeon. They're fighting because this is their home and you guys are fucking it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, fuck Kiki, but... <laughs> No, she wasn't. She wasn't that bad. I mean, no, she wasn't. She wasn't. And no. oh my god, I, I, you know, I was, I was curious. I did a little re- research in the light novel version of, um, of 08th MST. Oh, she's I know actually, she's going. yeah, she's actually raped by Fetty soldiers, and she kills herself by biting her off her own tongue. And I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm glad they didn't go with that. Uh, ah, uh. yeah, you can really tell that that uh, particular take on the story was written afterwards, uh, because I I have seen many people's takes on that difference from the anime, and I too am glad, and it sounds like most people are also glad because it feels so needless, I suppose, because that's always those sort of topics in fiction that uh, people sometimes are a little antsy about and you know and the line between well when is it justified and when is it just there for shock value yeah or something like that it tips into fridging where you just kind of yeah brutally kill something off and then uh I, i i would most certainly say that in the case of that alternate fate of uh kiki i i would most certainly say that it it is uh it's it's not needed uh, that didn't really need to happen, and I am very glad that they did not go that route with um, the anime. If it wasn't obvious, Sam and I, yeah, we we, we would most certainly recommend oh, this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's solid. It really is. And especially for people that want to dip their toes into Gundam, but they don't want to watch, like whole year's worth of content in order to actually get something out of it and also you're just generally intimidated by how there's uh, you know 40 years of anime to go with uh i can confidently say that this is one of the better options if you want a good introduction to gundam it is bite-sized you can pick up just about everything that's happening in the story just by watching it um, obviously the only thing that I think you really need to know going in is that, hey, uh, the Principality of Xeon are fighting for independence because they live in space colonies, and the Earth Federation are about staying unified and still keeping Xeon in check. That's quite literally all you need to know. Because other than that, everything else you can just ingest naturally and not feel like you're missing out, you know? But uh, Harrison, uh, with your thoughts in mind, uh, would you or would you not recommend uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team? I mean, do I personally dislike the show? Yes. Do Would I recognize if someone would like the show? Also, yes. Like, if, if it's a show that I think someone would like, I'd recommend it to them. Mm-hmm. I, don't hold a, I don't hold a grudge against the 8th MS team. But, like, the other thing, too, is recommending Gundam to someone. It's like, yeah, no, you can dip your toes in the water here. So this is this giant crocodile waiting there to drag him under the bi <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. Because, of course, with anyone else out there, 
they are going to have a very different idea of what they perceive as the perfect entry point for newbies. Um, I know quite a few friends that are all about Gundam, and when I've asked them, oh, hey, if someone new to Gundam wanted to get into it, what would you say? And some of the choices they made, I, I was um, surprised. Uh, they said, one of them in particular once said that they uh, wanted a newbie to start with uh, Zeta Gundam, which uh, I actually thought he came down with a slight case of psychosis, because Zeta Gundam not only is a sequel to the original show, it is not only a very old show, and in some cases has some dated animation that maybe somebody nowadays might not fully appreciate, but dear God, Zeta Gundam is also all over the place. Like, things just sort of happen in Zeta Gundam that I can't keep track of. <laughs> Uh, I actively became frustrated watching Zeta Gundam, and I did finish it, but overall I'm like, uh, this is probably one of the ones that I won't be revisiting. And the sad thing is, is that Zeta Gundam, I, I, I still go back and forth on whether or not you need to see it, you know, in order to get the full, um, ingesting of, uh, the story that happens uh, from the beginning of the original show up until the end of that particular storyline, that being Char's counterattack, which I still need to see, but I've been holding off until Sam has been caught up so that we can both watch it, because that seems like a very special one uh, because of its um, its high regard that people have for it. But uh, near future... Definitely will be watching it, especially because uh, I think uh, now's a good time to transition into what we were going to talk about next. That being, hey, what about the other shows? Are there any other ones that we might want to maybe talk about and perhaps even pitch to Harrison if he'd be open to giving it one last try? Um, yeah, I don't blame uh, you, Harrison, if you don't want to. I really, really don't, especially <laughs> from the sound of things... Uh, it sounds like you were forced to, which is not the best way. Oh no, to... no, I, Ian, Ian. <laughs> when I say forced, I mean asked to watch it a few times, and then going over to a friend's house and it's on anyway. Oh, it's like the okay. time we were just watching Spider Man. Oh, because no, it was I, I get you. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, hey, let's watch '90s Spider Man animated series. <laughs> yeah. God, what a watch that was. Uh, oh, but no, I, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Because obviously there is the original series, but we'll cover whether or not that's a good jumping on point. Personally, I do, but we'll sort of do the pros and cons of that. Um, Sammy Boy, uh, this next part is going to be a bit of gushing, and I think you know why. Uh, because we have ourselves a second place choice from you and I, about what would be another really good choice for anyone who wants to at least dip their toes into Gundam. And uh, surprisingly, it's one of the more recent ones that came out within the last couple of years. Look, it's it's the case, if this doesn't work, I don't know what will. Uh, yes. I'm saying right now, if anyone 
they're sort of put off by 8th MS team, because I will say that is the most digestible one. At least to tell if you want to watch more. Uh, this one, uh, it may not be complete right now, because it has been on a bit of a hiatus. But if this doesn't do it, much like you said, Sam, I, I don't know what to tell people. Because this, in my honest opinion, and I assume yours too, is easily one of the best Gundam offerings that the series has to offer purely on its style and that ladies and gentlemen is the jazz infused extravaganza that is gundam thunderbolt i mean let's let's be honest here this this really has it all i mean it's incredibly bite-sized even more than 08 msd but it has oh, absolutely chock full of basically what your best animation you're gonna find in gundam as a whole very stylized yeah it, it it looks very nice and even though it is a digitally animated um show it still has so much texture dear mm -hmm. god especially in the mobile suits you know but i mean that's not the only reason no 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 no, no. uh it's the use of soundtrack and how the very sound of jazz all of a sudden erupting in the middle of a uh, battle scene is actually terrifying. Oh, and here's the other interesting thing. The Gundam of the show is actually seen as the antagonist of the show. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's, it, it's, it's another dual faction approach when it comes to how it tells its story. Uh, this time around, it is much more contained within being uh, character-focused. And that is, of course, following the escapades of the Federation pilot, Eo Fleming. Mm -hmm. Who may or may not be batshit insane. <laughs> In the best way possible. Just, just saying, he, he gets a kick out of piloting the Gundam, and more specifically, just eviscerating in the Gundam. While also blasting, literally blasting jazz while that's going on. And then, of course, on the opposing side, Xeon pilot Daryl Lorenz, a pilot that has had multiple limbs uh, blown off of him. So he's within this uh, special subsect of Xeon pilots known as the Dead Division, the Living Dead Division. Because they, they literally have survived situations that technically should have them killed, but somehow they've made it out anyway. And uh, a part of them was left behind uh, when that, of course, happened. <laughs> uh, music is a huge focus in terms of uh, what drives them and stuff like that. Uh, Daryl is more about like uh, classic Japanese pop songs. Eo, of course, being more focused on jazz. Uh, jazz is much more chaotic sounding to him, and he loves that because, well, Eo is very chaotic, <laughs> if uh, you haven't picked up yet. Uh, Daryl is a little more somber, a little more relaxed and stuff like that uh, when he isn't having his limbs blown off and becoming less and less human because of it. Um... But it's, it's, it's an amazing series that uh, is a little more dark 
than uh eighth ms team uh tonality wise it, it's it's a little more gritty and stuff like that because oh lord people are dying left and right and if for some reason you do think the eighth ms team is indestructible and are never in true harm's way which frankly i don't know how you could uh this will not give you the same feeling at all at all. People are dying left and right, and characters that I didn't think were going to die did. And uh, it took me off guard. Several times. I mean, look, I, I don't want to get too much into it, because mostly this is supposed to be mostly about the OHMS team, and I would just be gushing for an hour, but look, I mean, if you want a very jazzy, bite-sized version of Gundam, this is it. it it's, it's fucking gorgeous, and it's so it's just good. It's a good package. It's it's ex- mm-hmm. it's good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, <laughs> there's I, like there's only so many ways that we can say this. It's really really good. And if you want a more stylized anime as well, that is, uh, it has a different sense of pacing and stuff like that. And and you want your action scenes to be uh, much more gritty and at times, especially when uh, Eo is in the Gundam, uh, terrifying. Um, then by all means, give Gundam Thunderbolt a try, because that might be more up your alley. Um, sound design. If you are also a fan of sound design, uh, Thunderbolt also has you covered. It is really good in that matter. Uh, watch it in surround sound, please. It sounds amazing, especially when you have, uh, jazz trumpets and all different kinds of instruments, uh, blaring at you as the Gundam is cutting apart Zaku's left and right as if they are butter. Uh, but yeah, Thunderbolt, good. Give that a try if uh, 8th MSD doesn't do it for you. I mean, watch both of it. That's not, that's not a recommendation. It's an obligation. I'm commanding you. Watch that shit. Harrison, listen to me. Watch yeah. that shit. <laughs> Love that shit. But what if I instead don't? Well, then, uh, the only thing I can really say is you are missing out. <laughs> if you go to the I gates see. of heaven and St. Peter's there saying, hey, man, have you watched Gundam Thunderbolt, the greatest thing of our generation? Like, <laughs> What are you going to tell him? <laughs> I'm going to tell him that I that spent my time watching the Goof Squad video on YouTube. And then you say, you get a free pass, my man. Welcome into heaven. <laughs> there we go. That is your one and only pass. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's our honorary mention. Uh, we, of course, just kept it at honorary because it's a little shorter. And in some areas, 8th MS team does kind of get a little closer to what Gundam usually is about. Um, and, and also, uh, Thunderbolt, sadly, is not finished. It, it is incomplete at the moment. Of course, when you get something that good, someone's hands got to get fucked up. And of course, it's the main drawer. God yeah. damn it, we already lost Berserk, don't let me lose this. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, That's like, a discussion for the time, too. Specific anime artists are just either dropping left and right, or they're having something get in the way of their work, and it sucks. And I mean, the pandemic was one thing, but this is a whole nother thing. I, of I course, of all you. things to suffer from, a degenerative hand disease is the one that got the main artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But anywho, moving on from Gundam Thunderbolt, Sam and I do have some other recommendations for shows to at least check out, at least look into, 
because one of the things I will say is in most scenarios, um, when it comes to picking other Gundam shows to watch, sometimes it's as easy as reading a plot, well, not a plot synopsis, but a general story synopsis that just explains what happens, and whichever one sounds interesting, go with it, frankly. Because a lot of them are kind of like Final Fantasy, where each one is its own self-contained story that might, in the loosest sense possible, be tied to one of the other shows. Possibly. But really, it doesn't matter overall, in most cases. Uh, but Sam, there was one show that is in Universal Century that you would also recommend. Uh, which one is that? War in the Pocket. Mmm, another a, bite-sized one. A, it's a fantastic vignette of more of a civilian's viewpoint from the war in the, uh, through the perspective of a small child. I can't remember his name because I suck at it. But it's it's very, very good. It's very similar to OFMS team in a very sp- similar message of what happens where we could work together. But it's it's from a, such a massively different viewpoint. It's way out in space in its own colony. And it's it's got more intrigue in it than OS, OS, oh my god, O8MS team. Don't mind yes. me as a stroke. But okay, real quick. Since we're doing recommendations, don't watch Star, uh, Stardust Memories. Don't do it. This is, this, is, no? this is a warning. This is, don't, no, uh-uh, don't do it. It's just bad. <laughs> it's, it goes with the love triangle thing, but fails even harder than O8MS team. It springs it at you at the last moment. It's disgusting. It's bad. It's not. I mean, I don't consider it part of Universal Century. I think it's alternate timeline. <laughs> but, oh, I. Mm, well, but when I really think about it, yeah. <laughs> well, because the the show as a whole, like when you're watching most of it, it it it's not terrible. It's actually kind of engaging because the whole thing with that one is that it is a very race against time kind of story concept. Where, um, in the show, uh, it has two main characters that, much like in other cases, are on opposing sides of the conflict. One is Ko Uraki, uh, and one is, I, 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 I shit you not, Annabelle Gatto. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, and the whole thing is that they are both pilots of two experimental nuclear-armed Gundams. Uh, well, one of them is nuclear-armed. The other is meant, mainly meant to be like a support unit. But there are these two Gundams that are meant to be used in tandem with one another. And uh, Gato takes the one that is able to fire a nuclear warhead. A advanced one, of course, that can wipe out entire uh, fleets and possibly whole colonies and stuff like that. Whole encampments of Federation places, if they really wanted to. And so it's up to the uh, the Federation team on uh, their main uh, not-white-base ship that they use as their base of operations to chase mm. after Gato and his forces to get the, uh, the, the nuclear-armed Gundam back from him. And I'm not going to lie, I, I was liking this show for the most part because, hey... It's a race against time, and it feels like they are constantly, like, taking steps to try and catch up with Gato and stuff like that. 
Uh, and it has very Top Gun-esque vibes to it, and I liked that. At the first uh, half did. The first half uh, Yes, saw. yes, that is the big asterisk. I liked the first half of this show. I liked the first half, because where this show squanders its potential is in the ending. Uh, things just sort of happen and resolve the conflict in a very anticlimactic way. Um, um, and it just turns into the usual, uh, tropiness that some of the Gundam shows turn into, which is, oh, hey, we're gonna drop something or blow up something by hurling this at that. Very underwhelming. And, and the worst thing of all is that, uh, <laughs> there, there is in fact a, um, a love triangle uh, between the main character, uh, Gato, and one other character that I won't even say her name because her character development is also squandered and very contrived in terms of, like, just creating conflict. Like, she could have been alright, you know, and I was okay with her up until that point, but then she just becomes completely self-centered and turns out that this whole time she's had feelings for Gato because of a previous relationship that we didn't find out until literally the last episode. And it just brings this whole level of contrivance that really soiled the quality of the show. And it sucks because the animation's good. The combat scenes are fantastic and some of the best in the franchise, in my opinion because of just how well choreographed it is. The problem is, yeah, the later half, it just completely shoots itself in the foot. Okay. And it really does, you know, baffle me how that happened. So, honestly, but, Sam, you putting it like that, I totally agree. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, well, I'm always right, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, switching, uh, you know, bring the conversation, Harrison, back to the conversation. Since you yeah. are not such a huge fan of Gundam, what would you recommend in its stead if someone's looking for like, I don't know, maybe like a mecha anime or a war drama? A mecha what? one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mecha specifically, if you don't really like Gundam, mm. I kind of like uh, Evangelion. Just Ooh, because Evangelion yeah. is more of a... I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Because Evangelion compared to Gundam, Evangelion's Psycho. more... Yes. It's more of like a psychological thriller. I guess you could also say it's a deconstruction of the genre. Exactly. It's it's about literal angels and demons and the origin of mankind being uncovered by scientists and them just proceeding ahead without a care in the world as to what will happen. Uh, I would also recommend Evangelion because it is also finally readily available to watch and not only viewable through overpriced DVDs that cost like $80 a pop, it is on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, the whole show on Netflix, uh, along with the movies that accompany it, including the mindfuckery that is the end of Evangelion. Hey, hey, end of Evangelion, though, has my favorite uh, closing song, which is Come Sweet Death. Uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Look, I, uh, I'll be honest, I don't really have many opinions on Evangelion, most because I've never seen it, and I almost refuse to at this point. 
I out of like some silly irrational spite. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's great. It's probably the greatest thing ever. I just refuse to fucking watch it. Well, I would totally understand, Sam, if uh, you were to watch it. Your big takeaway is it's pretentious. Yeah, um, probably. I don't entirely the... see it as that. I see elements of it as pretentious because certain things almost entirely happen because they want to do the whole "oh man, what does it mean?" sort of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Best way to put it compared to Gundam is it's robots that are almost one hundred percent not actually robots fighting biblically accurate angels. Yeah, that's that's all I need to know, and that's all I need to know to fucking stop. <laughs> Uh, I will also say that End of Evangelion, uh, for those of you who have watched Evangelion, you might get this. Um, it's the perfect Mother's Day movie. Yes. I'm not going to ask. We're just going to leave it at that. It's a topic for another discussion. <laughs> Speaking of which, what will the next episode be about? Well, uh, that is a good question. Uh, we, of course, have completed our, um, our, our cycles and topped it off with a mega session. Um, mm -hmm. before we get to that, I, I, I was gonna just say one last thing when it comes to, like, throwing out Gundam shows. There are a couple alternate universe Gundam shows that I would say are worth checking out. Basically ones that aren't in Universal Century. Because these ones in particular, uh, especially if you want something a little more self-contained and you don't want to feel like you need to ingest something else in order to get something out of, uh, these might be more up your alley, possibly. The problem is, is that the alternate universe ones are very hit or miss. Uh, case in point, Gundam Seed. I had pointed out before that I don't like Gundam Seed. I actually think it is one of the lesser... Gundam shows. It has its fans, most definitely, but that's because, to me anyway, it is a very 50-50 chance if you will actually like Seed. Because overall, the, the, the thing I don't like about Seed is that when it comes to tackling Gundam's usual themes, it is so elementary, it hurts. And not just that, but a, a, as just like its own thing, just being an anime and a show in general... It's so generic. It's so bland. And frankly, Sam, I don't blame you for having that original idea of, oh, well, Gundam's just more generic uh, mecha anime stuff. Because that's exactly what Seed is. It's just generic. It's bland. It's not the worst thing ever. But frankly, I sometimes think the worst kind of shows or movies are the ones that are just so in the middle that you don't have anything to say outside of it's just bland. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some really shitty writing in Seed and some really dumb moments that, like, honestly are some of the worst the franchise has ever seen. Case in point, the main character having the moniker of Jesus Yamato because he constantly cheats death. Case in point, in the sequel series, he is sitting in a Gundam that is... Uh, nuclear-powered. It has a reactor as its power source literally sitting on top of it and somehow, when the reactor goes unstable and causes a massive nuclear-infused explosion, he shows up within the next couple episodes completely fine. 
That is the kind of show that you are in for if you dive into Seed. And granted, that is the sequel show, but not gonna lie, really don't like Seed. Or at the very least, I don't care for it. <laughs> so, don't watch Seed. Unless there's something about it that you're curious about, then maybe give it a shot. I don't know, but I can't in good confidence say it's a good introductory one. What I will say in terms of alternate universe ones, check out ones like uh, Gundam X, because it has a somewhat post-apocalyptic sort of vibe to it. And uh, rather than it being about Earth Federations or principalities fighting each other, it's actually about uh, mobile suit scavengers fighting over resources and stuff like that. And a uh, possibly magically endowed uh, girl that they're trying to protect. So if you're also a sucker for boy meets girl uh, stories that are involving that sort of uh, admittedly acceptable trope uh hey go with that because it has that in spades um if you want like uh something for just cheesy 90s anime vibes uh that has a similar scenario but doesn't take itself as seriously i recommend gundam wing i know some people might say otherwise but gundam wing is about a bunch of pretty boys with issues uh piloting mechanized robots and at every sign of defeat, they uh, <laughs> jump to the conclusion that they have to blow themselves up in order to get anywhere. <laughs> That's the kind of show you're in for with Gundam Wing. Uh, but also, Gundam Wing is the one that uh, most people associate with Gundam. So if you want to see where Gundam's time in the United States blew up, check that one out. It's worth at least seeing why. And I can at least see why. It's cool, you know? It, it is a very rule-of-cool show. Uh, if you want something more recent, I would recommend either Iron-Blooded Orphans or uh, Gundam Double O. Uh, both of those, I think, tackle especially the involvement of children in war, uh, child soldiers, uh, very interestingly, especially with uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans because the main character's are entirely children, uh, commandeering mobile suits, as well as uh, <laughs> warships, <laughs> and trying to pave their own path. So, hey, give that a shot. Um, and aside from that, I, I think uh, that's everything that I can say. Um, I mm -hmm. think we laid out some pretty good options, and all in all, I think also talked about why Gundam has its its fans. It really is just the fact that it's cool, but also very grounded in most cases. Mm -hmm. And with that, we shall mosey on to what our next topic of discussion is and what our recommendation for the following episode will Speaking be. Speaking of love triangles, Macross. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so Sammy Boy, with the cycle that does land on you, what is your recommendation? So it kind of goes back to this topic we were talking about in Gundam about down to earth kind of you know themes or whatnot, and just the brutality of war and fighting and all that good shit. So I think the next movie kind of fits in this a little bit. It's uh, 
another movie Leonardo DiCaprio should have probably gotten an Oscar for a nice little family time movie by the name of Blood Diamond. Ooh. An underrated one in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I go guys, I hope you uh I hope you're ready to set out to the African jungle. Because guess what? We're mining for some gold, baby. Oh yes. And much like Gundam, it is chock full of child soldier. <laughs> hey, now you got my interest. Not, thankfully, not an fucking speck of love triangles all right that has been yeah that has been our insightful moment and we will never do an episode on it don't fucking ask (laughs) please please but uh i I think from now on a tradition should be every time we have a guest speaker we will ask them if they are zeon or federation and leave it at that we will judge them harshly either way but we'll just leave it at that (laughs) yes because the allegiance is rather telling depending on what their answer is uh, get those uh, Team Fetties and Team Zeon shirts ready. We need that for uh, merchandising. Oh, of course. Of course. I'll be working that in for when we eventually have our uh, merch site. <laughs> but until then, details for later. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our insightful moment, and we will catch you on the flip side. See you later, everybody. Adios. This has been our insightful monetization. Monetita- <laughs> Can't even say it properly. Okay, <laughs> adios. Very well.